Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with the WWE edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back, and we are at full strength with vintage Chris Vanini back in the house to break down everything that happened this week in the world of WWE. We're going to talk SmackDown on Friday, Raw on Monday, the continued build to the day one pay-per-view, along with some individual news items, all in the world of WWE. It's another jam-packed show here on Getting Over. It was an extremely busy week last week and we have a full month ahead so there is plenty of getting over audio still headed your way before 2021 is out as we kick off today's show guess what a reminder that the getting over wrestling podcast so please stop making me ask Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, drop a review, let people know how much you love the show. Five-star reviews get read live on the air here. Uh, Every single one of them, every time that you go to do that, hit the five-star, leave a review. It helps us in the iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call them, rankings, gets us more seen. Hopefully more people read them and say, oh, maybe that's a podcast I should check out. They listen, then they become getting overheads just like the rest of you. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. We have now officially, not temporarily, officially passed the 1,000 follower mark. I really appreciate that, but we still want to keep growing. Next is 2,000, so we got to get there. Uh, So I know how many of you listen. I know how many of you follow us on Twitter. I know how many of you have left five-star ratings and reviews. The numbers are not equal. The numbers don't lie. They spell disaster for you at Sacrifice. Please follow us on Twitter. Please leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Okay, that's the uh, intro of the show. Chris, welcome back from your, I don't, it's not a vacation. We were both working extensively over the last week and a half, but welcome back from your uh, time away from getting over. Do you feel at all refreshed uh, when it comes to talking about wrestling here? Yes, it's good to be back. Apologies for being out for a couple of weeks. There was uh, I was in Indianapolis for Thanksgiving and I had to drive back to Dallas because we have a million dogs. So that takes up an entire day. It happened to be the recording day. I went to Cincinnati over the weekend to cover that game. So I only caught the end of NXT War Games, but I've followed the wrestling. I've caught up on it. I've been dying to talk about it. It's good to be back and it's good to hear uh, on Sunday night that you have come around a bit on LA night. That was really warming to, to listen to yeah, <laughs> listen, listen to the war games uh, yeah. reaction show that Adam did been an LA night guy for a while. Adam is now coming on board. It's exciting. I, I'm looking forward to see what else in wrestling comes aboard that, that I can convince you uh, I'm right about. So with LA night, I want to clarify here in case anyone's getting me wrong. <laughs> I have come around to thinking he's not horrible. Now, I know he's a talented dude, Eli Drake, okay? And he, he's had a career long before uh, joining NXT, or I guess really rejoining WWE slash NXT. Uh, but this character, this name, LA Knight, it's such a bad wrestling name. Uh, and the character was just so bad when it started. But I think if they keep up with this face turn, I think I'm going to like it. Now, I have a feeling he's going to go back heel tonight, Tuesday right. night on NXT when we're taping this. Uh, but I was entertained by LA Knight on that show. I was entertained by War Games 
Uh, yeah. You know, briefly before we move on, did you get a chance to watch any of it, either of the two main matches or no, not really? I saw the last match, the, the final War Games match, and that was a banger. Man, like yeah. I, I love the matchup. I love the story they told. I love the promo they did that you played on the previous NXT show. Mm, mm-hmm. um, that that was great. The, the 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 hype video for it was good, and then the match and the match was great. And, and Braun Breaker continues to look like uh, I, I think a star. I was glad to see another guy I love, Tony D'Angelo, in that match. Um, it, it was awesome, and we'll see what happens with Johnny Gargano next. But. Um, uh, the overall card, I don't know, but I thought that last match was was pretty great. Yeah, last match was just fantastic. And the, the tag team match uh, is totally worth watching. And the opening women's War Games match, it's a five-match card. Three of the five matches are 100% worth watching. Uh, very good show. Um, you know, looking back on it, I'm just surprised. I'm really surprised that NXT, given all of its changes, um, was still able to put on. It wasn't necessarily a takeover card. Uh, but it was a damn good wrestling card and totally legitimate to be a special event, even if the other two matches that I'm not mentioning probably should have just been TV matches. One thing coming out of NXT I did not mention, it is WWE main roster related because it's a person you know. I completely forgot on the Ultimate Preview and on the Instant Analysis to note that uh, Sunday night was Beth Phoenix's final night in NXT calling uh, you know their product on commentary. Uh, Beth, when she started... Uh, it was a little rough in NXT, if we're being honest. She completely figured it out, uh, was doing an absolutely incredible job on commentary, and it definitely sucks to kind of see her go. Now, granted, given what's currently happening in WWE, a certain storyline uh, that happens to be ongoing, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Beth step in the ring sooner than later, and we can get to talking about that in a moment. But she completely found her role in her spot. The way uh, the Indy Hartwell, Dexter Loomis storyline, none of that would have been the same without her. Some of the MSK antics that she was involved with um, prior to the switch to this, you know, rainbow colored 2.0 version of the show. Beth had a significant role uh, in my enjoyment of NXT, and it is really disappointing to see her leave. Although, you know, she made it very clear she's not leaving WWE. Um, She's just stepping away from that. She wants to spend more time with her family. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed her too. You know, I, I mean, they live in what North Carolina, so going down to Florida every Tuesday or whatever to to do that kind of stuff. Um, certain, certainly, I'm sure uh, took a, b- a bit of a toll. I'm not sure how much is taped and how much isn't, but uh, yeah, um, you know, she did a great job. I hope to see her. You know, whatever she does next in WWE, I'm looking forward to it. By the way, if I told you Beth Phoenix was only 41 years old, would you believe me? Wow. And if I told you, because I was just, I, I got into this recently, okay? Charlotte Flair is 35. AJ Lee is 34. Think about how long ago we watched AJ Lee and for how extended yeah. of a period of time we watched her. I just got into yeah. this recently. It's it's wild. I mean, it's Beth is 41. She can still go. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and that 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 illustrates how young she was, you know, yes. in her in her prime and, 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 um, a lot of these wrestlers, the ages surprise you in part because everybody's just in better shape and can can go right. longer and in different times compared to you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, but uh, oh, I, I did not realize that because she's been 
out of the ring for quite a while. That's the crazy part. Trish Stratus and Leader are both 45. Like, it feels like they haven't wrestled in 20. You know, like, it's crazy. When you really think about it in that context, it's nuts. But they're all still really young. And, and that's just awesome stuff. So, OK, that was on Beth Phoenix. The other thing I wanted to mention coming off that NXT show, by the way, folks, I should have mentioned, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, there is an NXT War Games instant analysis just waiting for you in our feed, waiting for your ear holes to listen to it. At the end of that show, because it was breaking news that came in uh, Sunday night, I mentioned the situation uh, that is going on, was going on uh, with Jeff Hardy, where he uh, walked out in the middle of a match and uh, was taken off the road. You know, it was it wasn't speculation. He did actually do that, but no one knows why. We don't have the details. Certainly the hope at the time uh, was that nothing, you know, in his personal life uh, had crept up again or anything like that, just given his extended history. And even today on Tuesday, uh, almost 48 hours later, we still don't really have answers other than Matt Hardy saying his brother's okay. So, you know, we're just kind of sitting in this zone where I, I wanted to follow up on it and try to give you guys more information. Can't actually do it. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned it off the top of the show. But if it is something where it, it it's deserved to say, I wish him the best, I wish Jeff Hardy uh, the best. And I hope he gets back to WWE as soon as he can, because uh, we were talking about it, or I was talking about it last week. It really seems like they're setting him up to have some type of main event run on SmackDown. And it would really be a shame if he did all this work to kind of get back, get in a good headspace, all that type of stuff, and then for it to kind of fall by the wayside. Yeah, just uh, I hope he's all right. I mean, we were saying last I was on that we were hoping he was going to get into the title picture. And, and yeah. cr- crowds are uh, look up his age. I don't know how old he is, but he, <laughs> crowds are crowds still go crazy for him. Yeah, and, Jeff's and, forty four, but he's been wrestling since he was sixteen or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a little. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, just just hope he's doing okay and kind of wait to see what comes out next. For sure. And uh, one more thing before we get into the show. Obviously, we do the main event: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about SmackDown in totality on Friday night. So, Chris, there was less than 17 minutes of wrestling on a two-hour wrestling sports entertainment show. The longest match on SmackDown this past Friday was nine minutes, and it was the opener, Shayna Baszler against Sasha Banks, and it was deserving of that time and and all that. Uh, Three matches on the show were one minute or less, and one match was four minutes. This SmackDown, there were, you know, I say this with SmackDown and Raw, there's individual things I like on the show. But if I'm going to sit down and invest two or three hours into a television program, I want to leave, I want to end it, turn it off, entertained. This show was the absolute dumps for me. Uh, Like I said, individual good storylines, segments, things like that. But the show as a whole, SmackDown right now, feels to me like it's in the gutter. There's almost nothing redeeming about it. In fact, the only redeeming thing really is the women's division, which is really talented and to this point has not been featured well. But on Friday, they did start to, or they continued to, start featuring it better. I used to be, and you used to be as well, really excited to watch SmackDown every week. We'd say, you know what, no matter how bad Raw is, maybe it's even a week where we don't like NXT and AEW, SmackDown on Friday is going to deliver. But the Roman Reigns stuff, it is so repetitive at this point. And because that's such a large part of the show and they refuse to create a mid-card title storyline, the tag team title storyline is almost non-existent. The women up until recently weren't getting time in the ring. 
like this show is just, it's the pits right now. And it all happened with a flip of the switch right around the draft. And mm-hmm. I've had people tweet this to me. And we certainly speculated about it on the show as well, Chris. Did they change writing staffs in addition to talent? Like, I don't get it. I don't know how SmackDown has gotten so bad so quickly. I I mean, SmackDown was the best wrestling show going for a year. It was better than Dynamite. I I, I mean, especially, uh, you know, during during COVID shutdowns and, and all that stuff. And as soon as the draft happened and we looked at the rosters and we said, uh, SmackDown doesn't have anything here except for some some women and then Roman plus Drew McIntyre and that's it. What are they going to do? And and, and that, that was a flip. I mean, previously Raw had the, the roster was heavily slanted against Raw before that and we got repetitive stuff with Bobby Lashley that we didn't like. Mm-hmm. So they just haven't figured out the balance. I don't know if they wanted to make good for USA after kind of leaving them out to dry a bit or, or what, but these rosters are not balanced. And that's problem number one. Um, and, and number two is, yeah, the show is just different. The show has been different since they came back to live crowds. You know, when 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 it was when there were no fans, when they were the Thunderdome, they were forced to kind of tell a story throughout the show. And they did really good stuff with, with Roman. And yes, they did too much Roman stuff, sure. But it was still interesting. Now it feels like the, 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 you're you're not getting kind of a good mix of things. And you made the point about not having wrestling. There was literally ten minutes of real time between Sammy's entrance, Sammy Zayn's entrance in the main event, and Brock's entrance. That's not even counting Roman and his whole thing. Yeah, like I, I like what what is the play? It felt like they were just trying to 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 stretch this as long as they could to do as little wrestling as possible. Very strange show. It was yeah. It was almost like someone. It's like Vince said, "Hey guys, let's test ourselves this week. Let's try to do a two-hour show where there's only 15 minutes of wrestling, and make people not totally hate it, but like you know, still be somewhat okay with it. Like, why would you do that? There was more wrestling in the first segment of Raw." Then there was the entire two-hour SmackDown. Wow. The first match went like 25 minutes It on Raw on Monday night. Um, and Raw, the show was better. It had its problems too. It had, by the way, the same issue in the main event. Becky Lynch came out with 30 minutes left in the show. Then like 14 minutes elapsed. And then Liv Morgan came out and they had a match. It's it's just wild. And I can't, imagine, show, being, I can't imagine being in the crowd when that's going on. So you're, you're literally watching a screen for 10 minutes. I saw a very funny video of Montez Ford a couple of weeks ago where, and it wasn't for 17 minutes or whatever. But so if you're at a WWE live event, for those of you ha- who have not attended it in a long time, sometimes a wrestler will make their entrance and then they'll air a video package or they'll go to commercial or they'll do something like that. And when that happens, the music is not playing on a loop. It stops. And then they play it again five seconds or three seconds before they come back either from commercial or to shoot back to the ring. That way you hear it in the background before the camera cuts. So this happened with the Street Profits and Montez Ford like climbed on the ropes and like held the cup in the air. And then they cut off and went to commercial and everything, whatever. So he froze on the ropes (laughs) and he held the position and someone videotaped him from the crowd. I don't know how long it was, but it was like four minutes and he just stood there. And then they came back and he like took the cup down, jumped off the ropes and continued his entrance. It was (laughs) hysterical. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, it's crazy, but four minutes, that's okay. Like you want to run a video package like they did with live fine. Uh, mm-hmm. but 14, 17, 20 minutes between one person's entrance and the next one. And the start, like, what are you doing? Who is pacing that? Who's booking the show? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like they've obviously cut a lot of people and the rosters are not as deep as they were, but they're not it's it's they're not even doing as much as they could with the people involved. We'll get into it, but Roman and Sammy having a two second match, like you're just not utilizing what you have there right away. Yeah, well, you know what? Let's get into that right now. Let's let's move on from our uh show opening rant. This is probably one of the longest ones we've done that did not involve something with movies or popular culture. Uh and let's begin the show, really. Sliding into the main event. So we do have a three-part main event, starting with SmackDown, then two parts from Raw. SmackDown, of course, is Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. So Lesnar opened SmackDown. Uh, He got a huge crowd ovation, and he said he's after the universal title. Because why would Brock Lesnar be back in WWE if it's not to fight for a championship? God forbid they allow this guy to do anything else except fight for a title. Uh, Sami Zayn came out, and he praised Brock. Lesnar didn't know who Zayn was, which, I mean, really talk about really shitting on a guy, right? Like, I don't even know who you are. I don't watch the product. They, they, they shit on him, but also I, I would believe that Brock doesn't watch the product when he's at home. <laughs> you know what? That's fair. True. Especially when he was backstage that time, like reading a fishing or hunting magazine. Yeah. yeah. It's a good point. Uh, Sammy said he's the number one contender for day one, and he would give Lesnar a chance after he won the title. Lesnar laughed at that, said WWE was playing Sammy and pressured him to fight Reigns tonight, Friday night on SmackDown. Brock then literally twisted his arm and he promised to be at ringside for the match. Sammy tried to tell Sonya Deville he didn't really want to fight when Lesnar came up. So Sammy backtracked and Sonya set the match. Lesnar confirmed he was the number one contender with her uh, for day one. And then Adam Pierce was later on the show in FaceTime saying it was probably best he doesn't show up because of Lesnar. So I thought it was a great opening segment. One of the few things on SmackDown that I really, really liked. Lesnar is perfectly solid on the mic and Sammy is, of course, amazing. But Lesnar is so damn funny and entertaining when you give him the opportunity. And Sammy was a great foil for this beast-like babyface, right? It was an interaction I never thought I would see. They had really good chemistry together. And I keep saying this, but Sammy Zayn is doing the best work of his entire career. Not WWE, NXT, his entire career. He's doing his best work right now. Not necessarily in the ring, because he doesn't get to wrestle that much. But on the mic character work, he's top of his game right now. This was a really smart way to solidify Lesnar as a face, I thought. I'm not thrilled with the day one booking. They're going to end up having Reigns and Lesnar fight three or four times in a six-month span, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But in terms of this opening segment, I loved it. It was a great start to the show. Uh, I'll start at the end there. Brock Roman at day one has me hopeful. We don't get them at Rumble and Mania. No, Maybe we do, and I'm wrong here. Are. We definitely, but but um, that's that. But you know, Brock on the mic, it is really solid. And over the you know over the last handful of months when we've gotten him, he's been really entertaining. He's really good. We got years and years of Paul Heyman speaking for him, and I understood that. And Paul's amazing, but sometimes you just wanted something different, and. Brock talking is that. And this was honestly one of the best, most real sounding promos I think he's ever cut. Like he was just out there just having fun, man. <laughs> and it was the kind of Brock Lesnar we don't normally see. Um, I, I, that's the kind of stuff from Brock I'd love to see every week, even if, even if we don't 
get him in the ring. I mean, think about all the times he would just come out and stand there. Paul would talk and it's done. <laughs> I, at least we get Heyman talking. It's fun. Yeah, him and him and Sammy face to face was not something we'd ever seen before. Would I love to see a Brock Lesnar versus Sammy match instead? Yes, of course. But this was fun. And it followed through on Sammy had that number one contender spot and he had to use it and we didn't know how. It's a little disappointing, you know, we'll get into it, how it plays out, but it made sense, at least in the story. Kind of how using, it went. So this they, was a fun, it was a fun opening segment. We'll, we'll get, I, I was, I was going to go off on it, but we can, we'll save it for when we actually talk about what happened. Um, but yes, it was a really fun opening segment. Now between that and the main event, we get King Woods against Jay Uso. And it's related obviously because of bloodline and the feud that was ongoing with King Woods and Roman Reigns. So I was slightly uh, at first, pleased that they were doing this. I was like, oh, so they aren't completely like divesting King Woods out of the Roman Reigns bloodline storyline, but really they are. They're taking him away from Reigns yes. and moving him back into the tag team picture. Uh, there were promos before the match with Woods reintroducing Kofi. Uh, commentary reminded that he got injured and taken out by the Usos. So that whole thing made sense. Jimmy forced the DQ like, I don't know, 20 seconds into this match. Kofi looked great, though, flying around athletic. He looked like he was totally fine. Aaliyah celebrated with them backstage where Kofi told Kayla Braxton they'd get revenge by taking the titles that they won. So it's almost like impossible for me to dislike a New Day and or Uso segment. But what happened in the ring sucked. The fact that these guys couldn't wrestle a match and then do a DQ at the end, even if you have to do a DQ, I I don't get that. It was totally worthless. There's four weeks left until the show, and you know what we're going to get. All four guys in one-on-one matches and maybe a six-man tag, um, you know, at some point beforehand. The backstage bit was funny. It barely saved this entire thing. And it is so, so disappointing to me that King Woods was in that match with Reigns, looked damn good, got screwed, and is now not getting another title opportunity just so they can go with Brock Lesnar in an extra match at day one. They easily could have gone with Woods in his rematch at day one and saved Brock until the Royal Rumble. I just do not get this at all. This is the problem. They have no answers for Ro- for, for Roman right now other than just keep doing Brock, and that's a problem. And it it's very odd. They, they announced this indefinite suspension, and he's back in like a couple of weeks. It didn't mean anything. It, it was, and he comes back, and Adam Pierce isn't even there. It was just, it was stupid. It's very clear they're just changing things on the fly because they're worried about whatever. And they got and they're going back to the Brockwell again and again and again instead of, you know, trying to get trying to elevate new people into these other positions. With with the Kingwoods, Kofi Uso stuff, complete waste of time. Obviously, um, them announce. Let me get. Let me see if I got this right because I watched this yesterday on on TVR. So it's. Usos versus New Day for the tag titles at day one, right? They announced that. Right, right. And and was that announced in that backstage segment? I believe so, yes. So why did they get it? Did they get it because of the DQ? Well, I think they got it for because the Usos injured Kofi initially. And clearly the New Day is still the New it Day. Was like, just, it was just a week. Like New Day Usos is awesome. We've seen it a million times, but it's always great. And you're just going to like make the announcement in some weird backstage where Kofi's like, oh, by the way, we get a tag team title shot now. Like, that's just a really weird way to do it. Well, technically, so the whole so technically, weird. 
Technically, what happened is they said we will challenge them and take the titles from them at day one. I don't know if it was officially announced and if it was, okay. it may, it may, the graphic may have shown up later, but it was really New Day cutting a promo saying we're going to take the titles from them at day one. So they like issued the challenge and then the match got announced, which is not that bad. I think, I mean, that's not dissimilar from what happens in AEW where someone is says, it- I challenge you. And then they're like, hey, Tony Khan just said that match is set. Like, it's very similar to that. So I didn't mind that part of it, but yes, it would be nice if like the reformed New Day, meaning, you know, with Kofi back from injury, beat someone and then said, you know what? We're back. We're just where we were. We challenge you for the titles. Like it would be nice. Or if King Woods beat Jay in the ring and said, that's just a taste of what's going to happen at day one when we challenge you for the, like anything else is better than doing a 20 second disqualification and then making a title challenge. Uh, yeah, pretty much. It, it, it was a complete, it was a complete waste of time. It was, it was yeah. dumb, but it, it just, it highlights again that, yeah, they're just going back to Brock again and again, because there's nobody else on SmackDown because yeah. of how they set the rosters up. That feels worthy to challenge him, even though we agree on King Woods. They made him worthy. They don't. They yeah. totally made King Woods worthy. They had him win a tournament. He was winning singles matches. Like he was a, they had him in a main event spot. They wasted it on a TV show, and now he's back in the tag team division. It, it's maddening, truly they're maddening. Going, they're, they're, they're sending everybody back to back to what they feel is a safe thing to do instead of trying. Right, you're able to fight Reigns. You're able to step up. Cesaro, you're able to come step up and fight Reigns. But once you lose, boom, basement. Or or wherever you were before. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That's that's pathetic. Uh, so let's continue this whole thing. So Reigns backstage, he was pissed that Kofi returned that Pierce wasn't there, and that Lesnar was back and would be in Sammy's corner. He promised to smash Zayn and Lesnar if he got involved. And then before the match, Sammy trashed Texas. He said Lesnar acted like his guardian angel, gave him a lot of motivation to come in there and upset Reigns. It was a very Andy Kaufman-style promo. I, I really liked it. Um, it was also a great way to set up the match. Brock came out. Sammy said Brock should help him win because it would be easier to beat Sammy than Roman, given how Brock has struggled with Roman over the years. Lesnar took that as disrespect, hit Zayn with three German suplexes and an F5. Fans chanted one more time, so he hit another F5. And then immediately after that, we got the Universal Championship, Reigns versus Zayn. Reigns speared him, won with the guillotine in 30 seconds. So <laughs> I'm on the fence about this whole thing, right? Like we knew Sammy wasn't going to win. It didn't matter in theory. So getting his ass kicked only helped Brock, I guess, get more over as a face but I wanted to see this match. And given you were doing this storyline, why not just have the referee say, this guy can't compete, wave it off, Zayn roll, roll out of the ring, say, I don't want to fight, and do the match next week. Now, you've taken a storyline and you've stretched it out over two weeks. And you have a reason for us to say, oh, okay, well, you know what? It makes sense that he didn't fight and they didn't pay it off. But we still got to see Brock in action. We get to see Brock and Roman face off. And now we have the match, the Zayn match that we can sink our teeth into that we want to see next week. And even if next week it only goes five or six minutes, at least the guy got a universal championship opportunity. And especially since Reigns is running out of contenders already on SmackDown, it's even more reason to stretch it in that way. I did find this entertaining. It was an entertaining main event and it was different but it was so disappointing because of what was possible. I would call it a cop-out 
except it was planned. I'm sure it was planned from the second he became number one contender when they booked that, that this was what was going to happen the following week. Now, if you told me, Silver King, this is all going to be part of Sammy's documentary. He's going to show how he got screwed and, and it's perpetrated this whole you know conspiracy against him. I would say, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. And that would be a good, good direction. But there's no indication that that documentary no. is ever coming out. No. It feels like it's no. totally no. been dropped. So no. I just can't fully buy into this, even though I will say the angle itself did entertain me, but it was just, it's poorly conceived and poorly. The execution was fine. The the way it was conceived was not good. No, Sammy's just a bit player to get us to Brock, to, to help us get to Brock Roman. That's literally all it is. They're not putting any more interest or thought or whatever into him. Sammy's making it a lot of fun because Sammy's incredibly talented. Because he's great, yeah. Yeah, so, but no, that's not going anywhere um yeah this I, I mean if they had not done the match i would have been upset that they told us we're getting a championship match and then not giving us a championship match so I, I i i get going forward with it frankly it made it was something i was looking forward to i i was thinking we might get sammy roman with brock in his corner wondering if brock is gonna try to do something like that was a really exciting thing that they did build up and then to just Throw it away like you could tell based on the clock. You know, again, 10 minutes between Sammy and Brock coming out that, all right, we're not really getting a match here. And then to just do it like that, it was just like, <sighs> Right, like it's one thing if you if you set that for the 9 p.m. hour and then they surprised us and it was short. And you're like, oh, well, that's But you saw, anyone who's watching SmackDown, especially if you're watching live or on DVR, you see the timer. You see it ticking down, right? And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, we're going to get a one-minute match. Yeah, and it wasn't even I that. Mean, it, it, it like, yeah, it just it would have been cool even if it was a two to three minute match. Brock just and Brock's like, nah, I'm I'm sick of this and beats up Sammy's aim, disqualifies him. Him and Roman have a standoff, and then you and then you go into next week and Sammy still has something to complain about. Sammy won the match via DQ, you know, something something like that. Like, and it would have been, you know, it would have been cool for Brock to actually be in his corner and like Sammy to get, be getting his ass kicked. And Brock's that's what I'm pat, saying. Brock's patting him on the back. Come on, man, you can do it. You know, you can, even if yeah, it's like, like tongue in cheek, it would have been funny. They, I really liked the the dynamic between the two of them throughout the show, and it was kind of it was kind of sad to just see it fizzle out at the end like that. For sure. Okay, let's move off of SmackDown and move over to Raw for this second half of our main event. Uh, Raw opened with Seth Rollins cutting a manacle uh, backstage promo. Maniacal is the word I'm looking for, not manacle. <laughs> um, saying uh, Big E and Kevin Owens would open the show in a steel cage match. Big E and KO, they had really solid backstage promos as well. But I could not figure out for the life of me why they did this match. I have no clue. KO just earned the triple threat opportunity at day one last week. So why are we not just having a fight, but doing it inside of a steel cage to open a Raw nearly a full month ahead of a pay-per-view? It just felt, Chris, completely unnecessary and something that should have been booked for the main event of Raw two weeks from now. Like you create additional animosity between them as individuals and then you schedule this match and you book it and you promote it. Instead, they just throw it as the opener on a random Raw four weeks before a pay-per-view. Yeah, like, they're trying to give us something, but they're doing it so haphazardly that it kind of gets in the way of what they're trying to do. And, yeah, like it, like you just said, it would not have been hard to give this a week of build to, to make this feel like something. 
Instead, they just think just do, just doing it is something. Just just being there is is fine. You know, we're gonna do New Day, Usos, throw them out there, whatever. It's the two of them. It's fine. Like, no, you gotta put some effort into this, and we can tell when you're not putting effort into it. And that's what this was. Not not to say of the not to say of Ko and Big E who worked their ass off. Yes, uh, and 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 just they just deserve to be put in a better position. Uh, just so there felt like there was some more interest and stakes around the match. This is going to be a theme, by the way, at least for my commentary for Raw. It's didn't hate the idea, didn't like the elements, or didn't like the execution of it. And it's going to be a theme for me throughout much of what we talk about uh, when it comes to Monday night. But this is also a result of what we've talked about on the show recently, which is WWE setting matches too early. Like it's one thing when AEW, for example, sets a main event championship match four weeks or six weeks before a pay-per-view. They only do four pay-per-views a year. So they're really, really building to it. But when you're WWE and you come off a show and then one week or two weeks later, you're already setting a match for your next show. You have those three or four weeks of TV where you have absolutely nothing to do. And this is them having this storyline that as of last Monday was now fully formed or close to it. And them saying, well, what are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. Let's throw these guys in the steel cage. Why? Yeah, they, they can't. They can't figure out the pacing of this stuff. Right. Steel steel cages, hell's in a cell, uh, street fights. These are things that are supposed to end feuds. They're not things that you just you just throw in as, hey, let's fight. Let's fight in a cage. Why yeah. not? That's not how it should work. Anyway, let's get to the so, so 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 much of the TV show right now feels like house show stuff. Where they're just going to do it just to do it. They're booking things that don't necessarily need to relate to the week prior or the week that follows. Right. Because they they have the matchup now, so they just got to get there. And we're just going to get there by doing matches and not taking the story any deeper. Exactly. All right. So the match. Uh, KO did a great springboard moonsault onto E. They battled on the top rope with KO hitting a sunset flip powerbomb for a near fall. E hit three belly-to-belly suplexes, but ate a super kick and a cannonball for a near fall. E and KO were battling uh, with their heads by the door when Rollins ran in and slammed it into both of them. That was a pretty cool spot. KO raked uh, Biggie's eyes to escape the big ending and hit a frog splash for a near fall. They countered signatures and finishers with KO hitting a pop-up powerbomb for 2.5. E battered KO as he was over the top of the cage and picked him up off the top rope with an avalanche big ending. But instead of going for the pin, E crawled to the door. KO grabbed his foot. E stomped him in the face, and then Big E escaped, and the crowd went wild. The crowd did love it. Rollins immediately attacked E at ringside, and then KO in the ring. E stopped Rollins from stomping Owens with a belly-to-belly suplex, and he hit one more big ending on Owens, uh, just for good measure. So let's get this straight, okay? The match, the wrestling, the pacing, all of that, it was great. There was a lot of B flying in the ring. I mean, when you have Big E and Kevin Owens, there's just a lot of beef out there. There's a lot of beef out here. You don't even need water or bread sometimes. Just the meat of Big E and Kevin Owens. He don't want no water. He don't want no bread. All he wants is meat. And I'm I'm very happy with this match. Not only did it get four stars and an A minus, it got four slabs of beef as well. So very, very good match. But the booking was so freaking annoying, Chris. They refuse to let Big E, the WWE champion, look 
dominant. The finish, the big ending avalanche off the top rope, was in the opposite corner. All he had to do was throw an arm over KO or pin him normally, and you win the match. Instead, they make him crawl to the opposite corner and escape. I just could not wrap my head around that finish. That is such poor decision-making. I presume they did it because, hey, KO is about to challenge for the title, so we don't want Big E pinning him clean in a one-on-one match. I'm sure that was the reason. That is a dumb effing reason, and it's a reason why you don't book the match. Don't yeah. have the match if you don't want someone to win clean in a steel cage. Do, do, I, do I think escape is the worst possible thing? No. But if you're going to do it, do the big ending in that corner and then have him look at Owens, look at the door, fling open the door and crawl out. Instead, the champion is crawling all the way across the ring instead of just pinning the guy where he hit an avalanche version of his finisher. That is so effing stupid. I, I, I hated that so much, but the match was awesome. This is my this has long been my problem with cage matches is either you got to escape or you got to pin. And I feel like it should be one or the other. And the door should not be allowed. It's the stupidest thing. You have this all oh, this, this cage, you know, the, 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 the chain around it. It's brutal. It's physical. But you can just walk out a door to win. Like, I always hate that. And I feel like I don't know if AW does doors on the cage match or not. But it's it's always it's always bothered me. And you get something like this. Well, oh, we can just have the face escape to win, set up the Rollins attack, you, you know, yada, yada. It's just cage matches always bother me for that reason. And this match and that finish was the main example why. And that's kind of really the only thing else I have to add, which is that I hate the door in the gauge. <laughs> I really hate it. Yeah, if you want to escape a cage, climb over the top, that whole deal. I'm fine with that. It's part of the match, right? Um, but steel cages initially, I think, when when it was first invented, the idea of a steel cage match was to keep you inside. Right. It was to ensure you get a clean finish. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, it's and 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 and, and again, Biggie looks Biggie looks dumb for getting an avalanche big ending and, and crawling for the door when you know the pin is going to win the match. Uh, that that that's going to win it for anybody. So. Yeah, yeah. Just, just poor booking that you put yourself in a situation you had to get yourself out of and you didn't have to do that. So I'm already frustrated with that, right? I'm watching and they go to commercial and I'm like, man, this was so close. You know, they were so close right here. Then they, they go to commercial, they come back and all three guys are laying around the ring in pain. I'm like, wow, this is it. my first thought is this is pretty cool. They're selling the effects of the match and the beatdown that they all gave each other. That's pretty cool. And then WWE shows that during commercial, Bobby Lashley ran out, speared Big E, hit KO with a flatliner, and took out Rollins with a dominator, and then did the almighty spinebuster to E. And then later, at the very end of the show, MVP says, Lashley attacked them because his name wasn't even mentioned recently when people were talking about the WWE title. And I'm just sitting here like, what the hell are you talking about? It's absolute bullshit. So we get a post-match attack involving four of WWE's top stars. It's shown to us on replay 
instead of live. So we don't even get to see it as it's actually happening and be shocked by it and enjoy it with the rest of the crowd, a fun crowd reaction. It would be one thing if maybe they went to a picture-in-picture commercial and it happened in the corner. And they're like, well, in case you missed it, if you tuned out during the commercial, that would make sense. It's a way to get people to stay tuned and all that type of stuff. That's not what happened. There was no picture-in-picture commercial. I just could not figure out why the hell they did this. And I cannot figure out why it is necessary to put Lashley back in the title picture after like two months. He was barely out of it. And now he's right back in it. And now they're probably, I'm guessing, going to give us a fatal four-way at day one when we didn't need a four-way. We didn't need a triple threat. All we needed was a one-on-one match. And they're just like loading up this match. And to me, that is telling me they're going to take the title off of Biggie. So every single thing about this, I hated. And every single thing going down the line. I don't know what it means about Big E. I just think it was dumb. I mean, Lashley's one of your biggest stars on Raw. And like you said, the picture in picture would have been something. You're doing that at a commercial break while, you know, we mentioned the, the long period of time between Liv and Becky actually getting to the ring. Like they just drag certain things. It's hard for them to fill a three hour Raw. Why are you putting this in the commercial? I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know where it'll go. I'm still not. I still don't trust Raw to get things right, even post draft. So we'll see. I, I I don't know. Did you have? The, did, you, did you share the thoughts I had though? Like, why is Lashley here? Like, why are they doing this? Yes, of course. Okay. Biggie's feuding with. Ruth. Three different people now. I, I don't I don't know if they're going to add Lashley to the match. They they perhaps. have they, they have to be. Forward. They have to. I, be. I guess he yeah. took out all three guys, so now all of them hate him. So uh, you know, I just it just again goes back to I don't think they have a plan, and they're just changing the plan week to week. See, you know, I we I, about- I actually disagree. So a lot we always chalk things up to this notion that WWE never has plans and books everything on the fly, and I I really don't believe that's true. I think there's certainly. Periods you, you, of time. You, you think they wanted to add Lashley to the match and decided to do it via commercial break? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Maybe. I, 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 I don't know that it was planned to always be during commercial break like three weeks ago, but I think that they had planned, yes, to add Lashley to the match. Maybe. Per, like a couple weeks ago or whatever the case. It's, uh, what my point, what I was saying is there are periods of time, extended periods of time, where WWE legitimately does book by the fly, where like shows are rewritten and they don't have storylines. That generally is not around major shows. Day one is a major show. They are booking it like a major show. The card is stacked. It's going to be a, a really, really good pay-per-view, at least based on the card. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania. There are certain shows where they do plan it out enough where even when bad things happen, it's more just them being bad, not them being rushed. This is one of those cases, at least I believe. And that's why it's so mind-boggling to me. I just, I can't believe it. They, they just rarely book a fatal four-way this way, where it's clearly a one-on-one, then clearly a triple threat, and then randomly a fatal four-way. Usually it's just four guys who are arguing, and then they just make it a match. Maybe you're right. It's just, I don't think it's consistent with the way WWE gets itself into fatal four-ways. I just look at it, and I'm like, well, what was the point of Rollins winning that contract? But exactly. I know he's a heel, so it doesn't really matter. You can shit on a heel, whatever. But if, if he was a babyface... And he won that contract. He won the number one contendership. And then two more people got added to a match. I wouldn't use my contract like in real life. Like I'd be like, no, let them fight. I'll I'll take the winner. 
you know? I don't know. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, the third part of this main event, staying with Raw, the Raw Women's Championship. It was the main event of the show. Becky Lynch versus Liv Morgan. Backstage, Becky said this was a big night for Liv, who was the fans' new bandwagon to ride, uh, but it was just another Monday for her. Liv later said fans actually believe in her, which scares Becky, and she's ready to take the title. Liv also got this really long video package, building up this as like a lifelong dream for her, setting her up as like a huge WWE fan as a kid, and this being like a dream and all that type of stuff. It was a really well done video package. No surprise. It's WWE. Yep. As far as the match goes, uh, Becky made her entrance. I We said this earlier with 30 minutes left in the show. The bell rang with 16 minutes left. Okay. The first three minutes of this match were like pinfall attempts going back and forth. Liv hit a tope suicida crossbody, which I believe was a callback to Trish Stratus and Lita, who oh. wrestled in the first women's main event of Raw 17 years ago to the day. Yep. So I believe that's what that was. Uh, Liv, or sorry, Becky came back with a superplex. Uh, Liv came back with an insiguri. Lynch dodged oblivion, but got kicked and hit with a springboard codebreaker for a near fall. Liv hit a missile dropkick for a 2.5 and locked in rings of Saturn, but Becky countered into disarm her before Liv found the ropes. Morgan countered the manhandle slam into a cradle, which was a really cool spot. But Lynch reversed it and like sat on her, you know, bending backwards on her and grabbing the bottom rope, just like she did against Charlotte at Survivor Series for the one, two, three to escape with the title. So uh, what, what I'll say here is this was a fun match. I wouldn't call it a great match. Liv is not in that top tier of women's in-ring performers in WWE, but I thought she totally hold, held her own here. If I booked it, I'd have given her a really big kickout moment, whether from the manhandle slam or from another signature move from Becky. I don't know. Maybe a manhandle slam where Becky doesn't cover right away and Liv is able to kick out at 2.9. I would have loved to have seen something like that to really sell that she's an underdog who eventually got screwed, that she would have otherwise won if it wasn't for cheating. The finish, it was repetitive, obviously, and it was nearly identical, like I said, to the Survivor Series finish. Maybe that was purposeful. Maybe they did that, you know, maybe that was the point. Even if it was the point, I don't really know that it's a good point that you're making, that Becky just cheats to win the exact same way, and referees are so dumb that she did it at a pay-per-view, and they don't look out for it in her next title match. Uh, I think she just could have cheated in a different way. I think it's obvious that we're going to get a rematch here at day one, but then Becky just, I presume, beats Liv clean at the pay-per-view. So then she's 0-2 against her. They really needed to find a way to elevate Liv in this feud. And so far, all they've really done is succeeded in saying, she's someone who can occasionally challenge for the title. You want to believe she's someone who is a title threat, who at any time could win the title, who even if she doesn't beat Becky, maybe forms a tag team and immediately wins the tag team championships. That's what you want to believe when you come out of this feud, that you want to see Liv elevated. She's been ticked up, is the best way I would put it, instead of elevated. I'm happy she got the moment. She did follow through with a good showing, so credit to her. I don't really have a grade on the match. I guess I'll say like 3.25 stars and a B. It wasn't bad. Like I said, Liv was good in it, but it also didn't accomplish what I wanted it to accomplish for her. I I really like this whole thing uh, i i the, the video package that we got before the match talking about being one of six kids in a single parent house it was like this is like this is what i was waiting for this is the who is Liv morgan why should i cheer for her mm-hmm. this is what they need to do 
with everybody all the time. I think back to the Becky Lynch uh, video package they did in NXT before I think the Fatal 4-Way when, when they talked about her relationship with Finn Balor. It's like, oh, now I know who this person is and why I should care about them. It goes such a long way. WWE gets so caught up in storylines, they just they miss that part so often. So I was really glad they did that. It got me really excited for the match. Um, Liv comes out. Her music sucks, by the way. It, it is not exciting at all. It doesn't feel like it, it. It felt like a big moment after the video package. We're getting the main event for the title. This is her big entrance. And I forgot, oh, she's got that weird circus music or something it does not get me excited for the match uh they did all those pinning combinations early i think they did it to try to kind of pop the crowd but the crowd sucked for this match it did 100 it was terrible yeah. they were not into this at all from the beginning the two of them Liv and becky deserved a much better crowd because i thought they put on a very solid match and this was supposed to be the big live babyface moment and unfortunately, she didn't get that from the crowd that was just not into it. And I, I think that took away from some of it for me because there were clearly supposed to be certain big moments mm-hmm. that didn't feel as big because the crowd wasn't into it. Um, I, I really enjoyed the match. You know, you know, I we re, we so rarely get to see Liv wrestle for this long. Yes. I yes. wanted to see how she could go against Becky. And she held her own. She deserved to be in there. You know, there's certainly you know, scripted spots and stuff like that. And not everything was hit perfectly, but she can go however long that was 10, 15 minutes and, and have a solid match with the champions. So, so I, I think lives definitely elevated by this should be elevated by this. Um, Becky cheats to win. You know, do we get another match? Sure. But I, I think that again, add, it, it, it kind of told the story. Becky was not taking her seriously at all. And then suddenly found herself in a match. She didn't expect to be in. And she had to cheat to win. Now, maybe in, in maybe you do another match. Becky's more prepared this time and she wins, you know, or, or something like that. So I really like this. I, I was going to give it 4.25, 4.5 just hmm. overall as a segment, not just the match, but including the video package and everything. Oh, um, okay. got it. But 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 the crowd, I think, really I think the crowd really took away from it. And it was unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm being slightly harsh at 3.2. Maybe it's 3.5 and it'd be. But um I just wanted more from this. Like it, it, it didn't hit for me the way I, I really thought it could. And you guys know, we talk about it on the show. I am a Liv Morgan fan. I think she deserves these opportunities. Not every wrestler is going to be Sasha Banks. Not every wrestler is going to be um, Kenny Omega uh, or, or whoever. There's variety out there, right? Like you have The Miz. The Miz can have a, a very good match. It's not going to be a technical masterpiece, but the guy can hold his own in the ring. And, and that's kind of where Liv Morgan slots in. She's in that tier two in terms of in-ring ability uh, of women's wrestlers in WWE. You have your tier one, your your Banks, your Bailey, your your Becky, Charlotte, uh, Bianca, Asuka, um, Rhea Ripley, Tony Storm. Like that's your tier one. And I'm, I may be missing a name or two in there. But then you have your tier two that is very, very, very capable and and could certainly be champions just like those women. Um, you probably add Nikki Cross to that first list. Uh, but you have your tier two as well, and then there's a tier, tier three and tier four. But Liv is in that tier two. She held her own against, you know, someone who's been champion in WWE. Every day she's been there, she mentions it all the time for like the last 500 days or something like that. So I thought it was a good performance from her. It just wasn't 
the performance from her. I wanted that real breakout. And maybe that comes at day one. Maybe this was only supposed to be a little bit of a taste. And if that's the case, and we get it in a couple of weeks, then I think I'm going to be pretty pleased with that. I, I just hope I just hope they get a crowd that deserves it. Because I, I, I think if the crowd had been into it, it would have felt like more of a moment for Liv. And it yeah, wasn't. I agree with that. I think that's totally fair. The crowd was not good for this match. And that was really a, a disappointment. And that was Memphis. There's no reason for a Memphis crowd not to be good for wrestling. That, right. That's absolutely ridiculous. All right, let's move on to the rest of the show. That is the end of the main event, which means up next is the good, the bad, and the ugly. I just realized I said the twice and the once. I don't know why I did that, but I did. Do that. <laughs> that was very strange. All right, uh, let's move on to this segment. We're going to talk about everything else that happened on SmackDown and Raw. We're going to do it slightly lightning style. Get to it as quick as we can. On Raw, we had Miz TV with Edge. Uh, Miz couldn't believe Edge was really complimenting him last week and called him mentally weak. Miz said he could have used Edge's kindness in 2006 when he was getting hazed and everyone was jealous of him, not 15 years later. Edge said he never held Miz or anyone else down. And Miz had to realize he's just an ass. People don't like him. Uh, Miz said he surpassed Edge in and out of the ring and then challenged him to fight at day one. Edge wanted to fight Miz right away and then kind of juked him uh, and Miz fell flat on his ass. This was, I thought, better than their first confrontation. I just like the simplicity of it. Them two dudes just talking, being honest with each other and setting up a, a feud, a storyline and a match. It didn't feel rushed. Um, there's a lot of time left into day one. Could they have waited a week? Yeah, I probably would have waited a week if I was booking it, but they succeeded in developing a solid feud pretty quickly. I'd love a scenario where Edge takes someone backstage under his wing and maybe gets that person to fight Miz once or twice in the coming weeks, um, because I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they give Edge a week off next week and then they really build towards it after. Uh, there is some talk that the holiday episodes are going to be taped. Uh, so maybe they give him a week off and then they do two episodes back to back with Edge. It is, by the way, strange that they're going to do taped episodes as the go homes leading into a pay-per-view that they're building up as really, really important. That's another thing for another day. This segment, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah, I really liked it. In between this and the previous Ed, Edge Miz segment, my first one of my first thoughts is the way they use Edge for however long they have him. I don't want him to be in three, four match feuds like with Seth Rollins. I want him to have one month feuds with a bunch of different guys like this Miz Edge thing. I think this would be a great just oh, you do it for a month one off. I, I want to see Edge in the ring with as many different guys as possible. And I think all of the cuts that we've seen from the roster further emphasize this is that you're only going to get so many chances to do these dream matches. Look what CM Punk's doing in AEW. He's got a different person he's with every month or so because people want to see CM Punk versus somebody. People want to see Edge versus somebody. So give them as many different people. This does not need to be a blood feud like the Seth Rollins thing. Just just, just let them do their thing and go. Uh, we'll see what they do. But I really like this. And and I want to I just I want to see Edge in more fresh situations because the Rollins thing kind of dragged out. I really like these two together. 
And I'm looking forward to kind of the next month of what they figure out what to do. I mean, to me, it feels like we're going full on Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix at WrestleMania. Yeah. I and know. and how do we get there? And do they really stretch it out that long? I don't know how the hell you stretch it out that long unless Miz attacks Edge and gives him another injury reason to be away for two months. And then he comes back at the Royal Rumble again. Like, like I don't know how you stretch this that long. What I my hope is they do that match at Royal Rumble. And they give Edge something else more media yeah. that he can chew into for WrestleMania. A Finn Balor exactly. match. Finn Balor, AJ Styles versus Edge. That's a WrestleMania match I want to see. I don't want to see them and the wives fight. And it has nothing to do with Maurice and Beth Phoenix. I just earlier today on the show praised Beth Phoenix. And by the way, I think Maurice isn't that bad either. And I do think she raises the rent. There is a report, by the way, that she's now full-time. She's back. Like, she's going to be on Raw with Miz. That's cool. I think she helps him. He helps her and it works out really well. But that is not a match when you have all these other options with Edge. That's not a mania match. You want to do that? Do that at the Rumble? A, a two month build for that? I'm 100% in, but it needs to end there. Please, please do not stretch that for four months. Okay, uh, moving on. Moving to this is on SmackDown. Sasha Banks versus Shayna Baszler. As I said, this opened the show and was the longest match by double. And it was only nine minutes on SmackDown. Uh, Baszler dominated, Banks countered and escaped the Kirafuda clutch. Baszler escaped the bank statement and hit Sasha with a knee that bent her over backwards. It was a really cool sell job. Banks then countered a gut wrench into a leg hook pinning combination, and she got the win in nine minutes. Nice match. Only negative I had that was that a third of it happened during commercial break. It's a nine-minute match, folks. Just show it on TV. Uh, I didn't expect Baszler to beat Banks, but man, it would be really nice if she got wins over other people at some point. But overall, Chris, I thought this was good. Yeah, it, it was good. Honestly, I keep forgetting Sasha is a face. I she she's been a heel for so long, even recently. I'm like, why are we doing a heel versus heel match? And I just I keep forgetting uh, the Shotzi thing. Kind of hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, so yeah, no, but this was good. It, it was it was a matchup we haven't seen one on one ever in a while. So that that yeah. got me interested to start to start off the show. Um, more more stuff like this. SmackDown and Raw. While you know, while we were talking earlier in the show about the problems, I think both women's divisions are being booked pretty well, and that's a stark change from not too long ago, before the draft, when it was a complete mess. Uh, so it's good to see this going back in the right direction. Yeah, this is a fun match well, to start off the show in, in in a in a bit of a fresh way. Well, let's put it this way: there were four women's matches this week across both shows. Three of them. Not only were they good, they got time. One mm-hmm. of the, only one of them out of all was insulting. Usually it's all four or three or four, right? So it's usually the opposite. But no, they it's some new contenders, some new matchups, and they're giving them nine, 10, 12, 15 minutes in the ring, 16 minutes. That's all we want. This is what we talk about. It's very easy to get a good um, in wrestling, men or women. Give them 10 minutes. Let them go. Give us a real finish. That's all we want. That's what we got. Yeah. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all. That's, all, that's wrestling. It's, it's very easy to book. It really is. Just do that. Do, do that five times an episode <laughs> and everyone's happy. <laughs> um, okay, so we're good on that. We're going to stay with SmackDown in the women's division. Tony Storm backstage said she refused to get embarrassed by the pies to the face or intimidated by Charlotte Flair. She talked some trash and said her aim was the SmackDown Women's Championship. It was easily her best promo so far on the main roster. And I hope this proved to some people 
that she can do it both in the ring and on the mic. It was very good. And then Charlotte later was out in the ring saying the only way to get attention in the women's division in WWE is to talk about her, but she doesn't punch down. Flair said she considered Storm's challenge, denied her a second time. She then pranced around with the title. When Storm appeared, shuffled her feet like she was getting a present on Christmas or like she was ready to like attack someone from behind, which is really what she was doing, and then threw a pie in Charlotte's face. Charlotte screamed afterward. Look, the pie in the face gimmick stuff, it's so damn stupid, like it's literally for children. But, but, big but, because I hated this last week, okay? (laughs) They both had really solid promos. Tony especially, her backstage promo was great. And it was legitimately funny watching Tony there, shuffling her feet, getting ready, like so excited like a child to hit her in the face with a pie. So I'm actually going to say for not just the Tony part, but both parts, this was good. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, we got a new drop there. Yeah. I like that one. Um, I, I guess I'll give it a good, yes, I like the promos. Yes, it continues to tell me that they do believe in Tony Storm after not seeing it for quite a while. The pie thing is really dumb, but we also made the point of why did Tony get pied twice? You know, that was kind of weird. Hey, Charlotte got to come up and it's okay. Now let's not make the whole feud about pies. Let's move on to something else. So I'll give it a good this week. All right. Yeah, it was just a little bit of a turnaround for me. Over on Raw, we had the RK Bronerman. Uh, They did a 14 bracket for the number one contendership for the tag team titles. I like tournaments. This was fun. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very simple. Um, Riddle wore a WWE announcer's blazer backstage and said that he and Randy Orton would do guest commentary the whole time. He begged Orton to wear one. He eventually relented because the crowd cheered. I I loved the gimmick with the jackets. You need the yellow jackets. Maybe they just decided at the last minute. I cannot believe you can't find a bright yellow jacket in Memphis. Come on. So they got the color wrong. But other than that, it was pretty funny. Uh, The Street Profits, the first match was Street Profits versus AJ Styles and Omos. The Profits double teamed Omos off the ring apron. Montez Ford got caught alone with an Insiguri Pele kick and Brain Buster, but Styles didn't go for the cover. Instead, Styles went for the phenomenal forearm, but Omos tagged himself in while Styles was springboarding off the rope. Omos got angry, uh, attacking the Profits outside, and he got counted out as Ford rolled back into the ring at the last minute. Styles told Omos, Uh, They work because Omos listens to him and Omos got angry, turned his back and walked out. Riddle then tried to play like a journalist and interview Styles and Styles was just despondent and angry. And he's just said, hey, it was a disagreement. It happens. So I didn't mind the match or the finish here. Okay, it got the job done as a way to create some friction in the Styles and Omos team. You're not going to pin Omos. And when you do, it needs to be like Big E or Drew McIntyre or someone of extreme significance the first time that guy loses a match via pinfall. So it was a rare occasion where I was okay with a count out, especially because it wasn't forced. He didn't like, he, he he screwed up basically. He wasn't able to get back into the ring. He didn't realize he was getting counted out. So I'm good with this. I think Styles and Omos has run its course. I have no idea what they do with Omos without Styles. Maybe he joins the Hurt Business. That would be like really unique for Lashley to have muscle. A guy like Lashley, could you imagine that? I have no idea what they do with him, um, but I would like them to split sooner than later. And I thought this segment was good. Yes. Well, first off, love the tournament idea. Just simple. Just, hey, 
Here's four teams that are going to battle it out. Winner gets the normal contender. Easy. You want to put RK Bronum in around it? Fine. That works. <laughs> like, it, it makes perfect sense. Glad they went and did it. Um, there's a story. I'm kind of annoyed by the someone tags in, the other tag team partner gets upset, they lose, blah, blah, blah. That's very played out. This, there's a story to tell here, and that is Omas feeling like he doesn't need AJ Styles anymore. And AJ saying, you're too inexperienced, you need my leadership. And mm-hmm. Omas gets really high on himself, and I don't know who becomes a face out of this or, or what. So if they can do, if they can start planting those seeds and telling that story, that'll be good. I don't want just, they're in a random match, they get they yell at each other in a match. AJ gets rolled up and they lose as like the next thing to come because we've seen this right, play out right. so many times. So um, this was good. It was fine for now. I, I, I just hope they're careful with this moving forward because Omas is still very green. And I have loved this tag team. I wanted them. They, have, they weren't a face tag team either. That was my problem. I thought they would have been an awesome face tag team. Because I don't know how you how exactly you make Omas a face out of this in a one on one, or do you make AJ the face? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm very curious to see where it'll go. But yeah, it looks like we're heading toward that breakup now. I would hope they make AJ the face. I mean, Omas did everything wrong. He and the guy. You have to look at this guy. Like, is he a moron? Like, he he Styles is going to hit his finisher. This guy, this world champion, is about to hit his finisher, win the match for your team, and you tag yourself in. And then you get counted out. Like it was, it truly was Omos being a moron in the moment. And whether it's an experience or whether but, he's but, just dumb. Right. But can, can Omos carry being a heel or, or do we do AJ right there? Hey, Omos, you're a big, dumb moron. And AJ's the heel. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe AJ, they do. AJ's maybe that a, is the direction they go. Yeah. Right. A, AJ's very good as a heel like that. So I, you know, I don't know. We'll but I, I am ready though for them to end it. Like it's, it's been long enough. It's been long enough. I just, I wanted them, I wanted, they've been stagnant for a while. That's why I wanted them to be a face team, but yeah, they got RK bro there. So it doesn't really work. And the other problem is like, I wish, I, I really do wish actually they were on SmackDown because mm-hmm. if they were on SmackDown, you split them up. Now you have two singles where you're like, okay, they can both like make waves and be a really good part of that division. Styles can be a title challenger on mm-hmm. raw. They don't need him in that role. Like it'd be great to have him, obviously, but they don't need him in that spot. So anyway, uh, okay. Uh, the other match, the second half of this was the Mysterios versus alpha Academy. Chad Gable missed a moonsault and Dominic Mysterio folded him over for the one, two, three. I don't think Ray or Otis. I know Otis didn't tag in. I don't think Ray tagged in either. If he did, it was momentarily because the match ended in four minutes. Riddle tried to interview Otis after he got a world's strongest slam and the segment was over. I don't mind random surprise short matches, but this should have been the exact opposite if you're going to do it, with Gable catching Dominic by surprise. Gable is the experienced amateur wrestler. Dom is the young kid who should be getting surprised in a situation like this, further leading to whatever friction is happening with his father. I have no idea why they booked it this way. I thought it was terribly conceived. This was bad. This was bad. I'm also just kind of tired of the Mysterios. Are they going to break up or not? They you know talk about tag teams being stagnant. They've just kind of been will they or won't they for months and months and months now don't really have much more to say about the match other than i love uh, uh, uh the academy and they should be treated better now we've got to mention this about the rk bronament riddle 
as the post-match interviewer. <laughs> That's funny, yeah. Was hilarious. Yeah, it was good. Him and AJ had like a good little like back and forth stuff that wasn't 100% scripted, you could tell, because they made a couple of quips yeah. and then the other one responded with one. It was really funny. And uh, Riddle, after he finished the interview with AJ, he throws it back to the announce table. Mm-hmm. He says like, mm-hmm. whatever the name was, I forget the name, Gimbo Slice or something like that. Not a real person. But I was like, holy crap. That's my biggest complaint about all these backstage interviews they do in WWE is that a promo just ends and everybody just stands there for two or three seconds until it fades back to the table. The, the interviewer, when these happen in real sports, uh, all right, thank you. Back to you, yeah, the side Joe. You know, yeah. like it bothered me forever that they don't do that. So when Riddle threw it back, I popped for that. Yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a weird thing. This riddle in that role was legitimately funny. I, yeah. I, I just wanted to mention that too. No, no, he was really good. He is really good. I, I have very high hopes for it all. I, I still think he's a future champion, world champion. And I would, if it was me, once this RK bro ends, which you know, eventually it will, and it shouldn't last forever. So that's okay. But once it ends, man, I'm putting riddle right in that main event picture. He is so freaking over. You got to capitalize on this guy. You really, really do. Uh, so talented. Okay. United States Championship, Damian Priest versus Robert Roode. This was an open challenge that Roode answered. Dolph Ziggler distracted Priest on the ring apron. Roode ran in, ran him into the stairs and then threw him over the barricade. Uh, Priest hit a bell clap. Roode hit a backstabber and caught Priest with a spine buster for a near fall. They each countered the other's finisher until Priest hit the reckoning for the win. Ziggler super kicked him after the bell. And I presume that's going to lead to a match between them next week. The reason I liked this and the crowd was terrible, by the way, throughout this whole match. They didn't give it give a shit. They didn't care at all. But the reason I like this is because it's simple booking that WWE does not do often enough. Members of tag teams, singles who aren't used a lot, people who are prior champions, but maybe are in tag teams, they should all be the ones fighting the champions on these TV shows instead of constant rematches or tag team matches involving people who are going to fight on the pay-per-view. Like, this is the type of match, not necessarily how it was worked or these two people, but this is the style of match, the style of booking that needs to happen more often in WWE. Even better if you create a one-week storyline to get you to it the following week. They don't do it nearly enough. Like I said, the crowd was dead for this, but I was really happy to see Robert Roode wrestle Damian Priest. It was a good match. Like, they, they worked well together. I do not think that this new priest gimmick is helping him. I think he is less over now than he was previously. Um, That could just be because they haven't done much with him. It could be the gimmick. I don't know how to pinpoint it, but it was well wrestled over 11 minutes. I did like the involvement of different people in a singles picture. So because of all of that, I'm going to say it was good. Yeah, it was a good concept. You know, the result I was kind of... I, I mean, I didn't like hate any of this. I just don't care about Damian Priest anymore. I, I just don't. And I don't know why I'm supposed to. And so, you know, this was just kind of, eh. I, hey, I like you said, different concept, you know, Robert Roode singles match. Great. But I just didn't care about it at all because I still don't care about Damian Priest at all. And that's not at all on him. Well, there's, there's no changed. feud. There was no feud. There was no storyline. It was like. Uh, the CM, Punk, uh, CM Punk fought Lee Moriarty. I think it was on Rampage or something. Yeah. Or, or Dynamite. They gave us no reason for the match. So 
Did I like watching the match? Yeah, it was fine watching it. Was I exactly. enthralled by it? No, because you gave me no reason to care. I yeah, had no reason I, to I, care. I, I, I still and I still don't understand Damian Priest. He's just it's so weird. And he still has never been he's still never been pinned in a singles match in his main roster career. I, I it's 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 so weird how the US title and the Intercontinental title have just completely disappeared. Yeah. They really gotta shake that up. I, mean, I don't know what they're wanting to, I don't know what they want to do with Damian Priest or not, but I think they gotta get the, the title off him and just start something new because this is just incredibly stale. Even though they change his gimmick, I just I don't care because I don't know anything about it. It's their their face champions, so they don't have heels in pursuit on both of them. And it's just like it's mind-boggling. It really is. Like, how do you have two mid-card champions, and you have five hours of TV and you can't develop storylines for them. Let's just move. I was going to save it for later. Let's move on since you mentioned it too. Uh, let me scroll to see where the hell I put it. Um, where the hell is it? It was a Los Lotharios match, wasn't it? Didn't they do that again? Here it is. Viking Raiders versus Los Lotharios on SmackDown. One minute into the match, the Lotharios were ready to win with their finisher over the Raiders. They didn't hit the finisher because Rick Boogs shredded and Shinsuke Nakamura danced. Despite the distraction, Eric got rolled up by Umberto Creo for the win in one minute and 45 seconds. The Raiders were pissed, so Boogs played their theme and that made them happy. This was such an absolute piece of shit. Why the fuck is Shinsuke Nakamura, the Intercontinental Champion, the former IWGP Heavyweight Champion, Someone who has main evented pay-per-views in WWE, who had a WrestleMania match with AJ Styles. Why does he still not have a feud or a number one contender for his title? Why even do this segment if you're not going to let the tag teams wrestle for five or six minutes? Why are you letting Umberto Carrillo roll up Eric? This is the stuff that has made SmackDown suck recently. All of this was terrible. It doesn't make a shred of sense. Bad, terrible, ugly, not bad, ugly. This is for crap! Mark at zero! It doesn't yeah, make ugly. sense to anybody because nobody says that! Yeah, I, I mean, this is what I said a couple weeks ago. I said, who feels like a bigger deal, Shinsuke Nakamura or Bobby Fish? And it was it was Bobby Fish. And we see now that, not, like, he's Shinsuke Nakamura. He's the intercontinental champion. He's been doing nothing for months. Boogs is the bigger star. Just break them up and do something and give Boogs the title or something like that. Like, just, it's it's nonsense. And they they sort of kind of botched the end because Garza was sitting there waiting for about 30 seconds before the guitar finally played so he could get distracted and they could get into the finish. Just, just bad. Just, just bad, bad. I, I, I'm sorry. Ugly. Yeah. So, uh, I was going to criticize you. I'm like, how, how could you yeah, say that? I, I'm yeah. Certainly giving this an ugly. That was so ugly. So ugly. Okay. Back to our regularly scheduled uh, lineup here. Uh, Seamus versus Cesaro. Okay, so, okay. So Ridge Holland's watching backstage. They talk trash to each other late in the match. And then Seamus won with a bro kick in four minutes. So Cesaro, who challenged for the Universal Championship this year, a couple months ago, who teamed with Seamus for years as members of the bar and could deliver an incredible match with me. You put Cesaro in the ring with me and give us five minutes and we'll have a three-star match because Cesaro is going to carry my ass the entire time. He loses in four minutes to his former partner and longtime rival, Sheamus, on a regular TV show. There is no benefit to this. 
Why would anyone want to see this or any incarnation of it again? This doesn't make me want to see Cesaro get retribution. It didn't put Sheamus over. It didn't do anything for Ridge Holland. It's just pathetic booking. I wish I could say bad. It wasn't bad. It was straight up ugly. What we want is if you're going to do this match, give us 15 to 20 minutes of Sheamus and Cesaro just going apeshit on each other. Give us a banger. Don't give us four minutes of bullshit. Yeah, no, I, I mean, they even like talked about their history together. They even said they had that great, you know, seven match feud before they became the bar. And it was kind of inadvertently reminding us of how awesome they can be compared to what they gave us. And yeah, no, it sucked. And, and, and you know, I, obviously, you know, I, I said we could tell a couple weeks after that Cesaro-Roman match that they weren't going with Cesaro anymore. And I said it then. It was pretty clear. It's, it remains clear. I, I guess we got to push Ridge Holland. I, I, I don't know. These, these guys all deserve better. They just, they don't make anybody feel like a big deal. This is always the this this is the biggest difference to me between WWE and AEW is that AEW just makes you feel like you should care about everybody, even these random ass nobodies who mm. you haven't seen before. They'll just they'll just say something like, "Oh, he's he's big on the Indies. He's had three matches in the last five days. He might be tired." Like, just give me some. some See, I don't think that was the to, problem to here. I don't think that was the problem. They gave us reason to care about this match. They they told us a two or three week storyline of. Ridge that's, saying, I'm going to be Sheamus's new partner and all, and he's my idol. They did that. They made me care. And then they just stepped on me in four minutes. Yeah, that's fair. That, I, I mean, they didn't but follow I think through. That, that's, that's, what, that's what I mean. They didn't follow through. And if Sheamus had won this match in longer time and let them put on banger after banger. Right. Uh, you know, then all of a sudden I care about whatever Sheamus is doing, but they just, they've conditioned us to be like, if it's not a main event feud, you're getting four minutes and it is what it is. And that's what you just kind of feel floating around this whole thing. I mean, they gave Bianca Belair and Dewdrop, which we'll talk about in a moment, like 12 minutes to go up to have a damn good match on Raw. That's what these guys should get at a minimum. They're way more accomplished. And way more, I mean, not way more talented, but they're extremely talented in the ring. Probably better wrestlers if you had to grade their wrestling ability. Let them go. Just, you, you have a show. It's a wrestling show. 17 minutes of wrestling in two hours. All right, back, back. To, I almost said back to Raw because I saw Drew McIntyre staying on SmackDown. Uh, Drew McIntyre confronted Sonya backstage who told him Pierce was responsible for making the Battle Royal list next week and not including him in it. McIntyre drew his sword and said he wanted to talk to Pierce next week. Then they had Happy Talk, which was next, talking shit about McIntyre and Jeff Hardy. McIntyre distracted with the sword so Hardy could attack, and then he hit the Claymore. The match just happened last week with these guys. Now I presume we're going to get it again next week where we were going to. We don't know what's happening with Jeff Hardy. There's not even a storyline here. No thank you. Really bad. I don't know what we're doing with Drew here. Like we, we've said it before, but he's like one of the few only other main eventers on this roster. And he's just doing this weird, goofy stuff. We're all in on the sword again. And yeah, we backed like, away from it. We backed away from story time and the sword. Then we, and we're like, okay, they're building Drew back up. And now they're, now we're right back. Good Lord, man. They, they have done him so poorly for ever since the Lashley feud ended, basically. Um, 
good lord, man. And, and like he's the company guy, and you know, he'll, he'll they, they can get him to do anything, but <sighs> good lord, man. Come on. Yeah, not good. So bad for you also? Yes, bad. Sorry. Okay. So on Raw, Vince McMahon and Austin Theory interacted in Vince's office again. And I have absolutely no idea what happened in the segment. Like I it was they was talking about the expect the unexpected stuff again and being surprised. And the idea, I think, is that Vince is trying to tell Theory nothing should surprise you, but he keeps getting surprised by things, and Vince doesn't like that. But so Vince is like, I'm gonna put you in a match. So then later they come back to the segment, and Theory's doing jumping jacks, and Vince pulls his match because he wasn't ready and he was obviously getting warmed up when he should have already been warmed up. McMahon then demanded Theory find some other way to impress him. So then we get Finn Balor versus T-Bar. Balor went for the coup de grace when T-Bar tried to choke slam him, but Balor knocked him down, hit his finisher for the win. It was a filler match. I had no problem with it. Commentary talked about how Balor had to get back on track, get some wins. So they really did tie that in together nicely. And they did get, they got enough time. They got more time, I think, than Sheamus and Cesaro, by the way. Uh, Theory attacked after the bell, hit Balor with the ATL before taking selfies. Now, Wrapping this whole thing together, I really do like that they are trying with Austin Theory, that by putting him mm-hmm. with Vince McMahon, they are saying, this is someone we believe in. We're trying to give you something to chew on, a legitimate storyline. And now matching him up with Finn Balor is exceptionally cool as well. They're going to have a great match whenever that happens. That said, Balor better damn win that match. Okay, <laughs> like, please. Like, I like Theory a lot. He's not ready to be beating Finn Balor, even in a surprise roll-up fashion, unless Balor gets the win back the next week. So when I'm putting all this together and I see it's to package Austin Theory, it's to get him over, it's to have him fight Finn Balor, I'm going to say good. I did not like the backstage stuff nearly as much as I did last week. And Vince, man, look, he is arguably the greatest wrestling character of all time, Mr. McMahon, that character. Um, He's definitely the best foil, heel um, of all time. But this, he's an older man now, and his speaking faculties are not what they once were. He doesn't have that loud baritone that really like commands the room and gets you. He's mic'd up. He's in a room with only one other person, and you can barely hear him on TV. So I don't know what the move is. Maybe the move is actually bringing in Shane and having him do the same storyline with Shane. Maybe that's what they should have done. I don't know. It's not hitting the way it really should be hitting, but I do appreciate the effort. So I am giving a conditional good for all of this. Yeah, I'll give it a good. You actually just made me think of something. Well, Vince is, he's talking too fast, essentially. And I think he's doing it to try to prove that he's normal. And he's he's fine. I'm just just saying like he's talking too fast and not enunciating enough. It's hard to follow him when he's not as loud. You just made me think of an idea of Vince McMahon you know, loving Austin Theory like a son, Shane McMahon comes in and he's like, I'm your son. And then they have a, a Austin Theory versus Shane McMahon's your WrestleMania match. Cool. For Vince McMahon's love. Down I don't know. It. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's, let's book it or something like that. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I mean, Vince McMahon being on screen, instantly I'm paying attention. And it's telling me, hey, Austin Theory's somebody worth watching. So it's good. You know, we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, I said a few weeks ago uh, that that they 
they they can't just make Austin Theory be the selfie guy every week. They need to develop him more. And I think we're kind of getting that with the Vince stuff. So 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 that's been good too. I mean, look, look, Vince is 76 years old. Like I'm not an ageist or anything like that. He's welcome. I love I love and from the character standpoint, Vince being on my television is a positive. Okay. It just is. Mm-hmm. But you gotta take that into context. Like the guy the the position the guy is in. Use him the way they used him in that money in the bank. Um match. Remember uh, in Inside Titan Towers where he was sitting mm-hmm. at his desk and he got angry at the guys for ruining his office. Uh, use him in the segment they did with, I forget if it was, was it AJ Styles that slapped him across the face or head, uh, Kevin Owens headbutted him in the ring. Kevin Owens. Yeah. In the, he headbutted him in the ring, but I think AJ slapped him across the face backstage a, a couple of years ago. Use Vince in that way. Individually, quick moments, you know, Maybe have Austin Theory interacting with um, Sonya and Pierce, and then he walks by Vince and gets a thumbs up or a thumbs down, or Vince turns his back on him. Use him sparingly. Don't give him like a three-minute speech that he needs to give to Austin on the show. Just be smarter about it. But it is interesting that they are using Vince in that in that role. Uh, a couple more things here before we get out. Naomi also confronted Sonya Deville backstage, challenged her to a one-on-one match. Deville basically just said, while I'm in a suit, I'm an official. We can't fight. You can't touch me. When I change into ring gear, we can go at it. Uh, She also said, if you touch me while I'm in a suit, Naomi, you're going to get fired. Then DeVille smacked her across the face and Naomi got frustrated because she couldn't attack her back because she was wearing her suit. I thought, was this great? No, but it was a huge improvement from the garbage we've been getting between them recently in the storyline. It did feel like business was picking up, like we're actually moving towards the match. The match was announced for next week. I really have a hard time believing it's going to happen on Friday. Maybe they do it at day one. Either way, this was an improvement. It was a step up from what we've gotten from them recently. So I, I'll say good on that. Yeah, no, this was good. It, it finally brought the the heat back that had kind of been missing because of how kind of convoluted this whole thing had gotten. Just get the two of them back together talking and getting mad. And Sonya's thing, you know, defense, you know, made sense. It was heelish. Sure. All right. We'll have a match. Then I was surprised. Yeah. All the matches next week. Okay. I, I I guess, you know, since we have like a, you know, three, four weeks still until the pay-per-view, you know, we had a women's title match on Raw. You know, th- they may kind of have to put bigger batches, wrap some storylines up on TV instead of instead of the show. So mm-hmm. maybe we do get the resolution next week. Maybe they feel like it has gone on too long and we got to just end it and let Naomi move into other stuff. If they do another non-finish on top of all the weird ones they've done, I'm going to be annoyed, but we'll see how it plays out. Agreed. So it, it, this was good. Definitely good. Also uh, on Raw, we got Bianca Belair versus Dewdrop. Belair got attacked during her entrance and Dewdrop dominated early. There was a total botch with a handstand. Then Dewdrop destroyed Belair outside. Belair got life with a spinebuster that woke up the crowd. The crowd was sleeping through the first half, but it, it really did pick up for the second half of the match. She also had a frog splash crossbody for a near fall. Dewdrop sat on Bianca when she tried a sunset flip and then hit a Vader bomb for a 2.5. Belair dodged a cannonball and failed to lift Dewdrop for the KOD. And then Dewdrop just walked out, slapped herself on the ass, basically telling Bianca to kiss her ass. This was almost, Chris, almost perfect. So freaking close to perfect, okay? Just like the opener. It was very, very similar. They let Piper Nevin and Bianca Belair wrestle and go all out for 12 minutes. It's exactly what I'm talking about. We want the women to get time to show that they can do 
just what the men do, just what anyone else knows they can do in the ring. These are two very good wrestlers who should be allowed to wrestle, and they were allowed to wrestle. My only problem with it, the entire thing, was the countout. It's typical WWE trying to stretch a feud when this should have been perfect booking with Bianca simply hitting the KOD in that final moment and winning the match. Think about the Sasha Banks, Shotzi Blackheart feud. That worked because they did it over two or three weeks. They had a match, Sasha won, and it was over. The exact same thing could have happened here. Bianca beats her, it's over. Dewdrop moves into another feud with someone a little bit maybe lower down the rung, and then Dewdrop wins a feud. And then maybe two months from now, they rematch again and do it again. Something like that. They were three seconds away, one, two, three, from nailing it and just blew it in the final seconds. I'm still going to say good because it was good. The whole thing was very good despite that, but it's so frustrating. They just can't nail that final bit of booking. Yeah, I'm giving it a good for sure. This this was this was probably the best we've ever gotten to see Dewdrop in the ring the longest. You Easily. Know, no, even, no even Marie stuff. No, Easily no, the best. Whatever stuff. Yep. She just, she got to go out and look awesome. And you know what? Bianca looked like she was in a fight. And that makes, that makes everything feel like it's more important. It makes Bianca, it makes Bianca's, if she had won, look more important. It makes Dewdrop look more important. Yeah. So they just, they didn't give you the finish. It was kind of annoying. You know, maybe they want Dewdrop to, get some more heel heat because she's still relatively new and that's a way to do it. I don't know. It's annoying, but certainly giving us a good, this was the exact, if you just, if you give someone the pin, this is the exact situation of making two people look better. Yes. With a clean finish. Do drop. By the way, I like her as a heel. Like I don't even, <laughs> it's so weird. It, why would someone named Dewdrop be a heel? And why did she turn? Like, I just don't even understand why she turned heel. Right. But it works like her gimmick works. In ring, she's good. It it fit with Bianca Belair, just like with Sasha Banks and Shayna Baszler on SmackDown. They had two women's singles matches um, that now did they involve main event women? They did, but they were not for titles. They were not the title storyline. Both of them got basically 10 to 12 minutes and all four women looked good in the matches. It's what we've been begging them to do for a year. It's really not that hard. Look at the success. And the crowd mm-hmm. popped at the end too. The crowd was dead at the beginning. And then it popped at the end. It's all we want. So it worked. Yep, exactly. It worked. A couple quick hitters before we get out. Queen Zelina versus Nikki Ash. Nikki missed a flying crossbody. And then Zelina won with the code red in two minutes. Rhea Ripley tried to cheer her up backstage when a fan asked for an autograph. Nikki got excited. But the fan was actually asking Jerry the King Lawler for an autograph who was off screen. It was random. I'm sure they did it because they were in Memphis. They wanted to pop the crowd. But this match was completely pathetic booking and a total waste of time. I get it. They're doing the underdog angle that Nikki, no one believes in her. She doesn't believe in herself. She's going to have to overcome that adversity and the self-doubt and all that. That should have been the angle as she won Money in the Bank six months ago where she fails and fails and then figures it out and then wins the championship. They're doing it in complete reverse order. Why Rhea Ripley is still with her, I don't know. They're not, I mean, I guess they're still a tag team technically, but they're not champions anymore. I want Rhea to get her own things. Instead, it's focused on Nikki. They're focusing on the wrong person. This was ugly. It was just ugly. Yeah, certainly ugly. This whole thing's kind of been convoluted. This is the women's segment of the weekend that was was not good. Um, yeah, I just... It, it, it's It's been a weird mishmash, and they qu- haven't quite gotten... 
I, I, identities down. I think Rhea was, you know, this megastar champion not too long ago. Now she's, then she's in the Survivor Series, but Nikki's not. Now Nikki's in this, and, and it's, you just, you got, all four of these people are incredibly talented. And this just, this whole thing's just a little bit weird. I do love Zelina still using the British accent from time to time. Still pops me. Well, what was uh, great yeah. about her, what was great about her this week, I'm sorry to interrupt you. She yeah. used the British accent, then English, like American English, and then yeah. spoke in Spanish and then went back <laughs> yeah. to the British accent. So it was really yeah. funny the way she did that. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that was yeah. great. That was great. That was great from her. I, I'm glad she's finally getting some shine, you know, after she had, before she was here and after coming back, her as a wrestler didn't get much attention. But since winning Queen, they're, they're continuing to make her look strong. And I do like that. Absolutely. Uh, as, as Queen, yes. But again, even winning a two-minute match doesn't really help you look that strong. No, no, you know? I agree. If, if they did the same booking and it was six minutes and they had the same finish, then you say, oh, okay, yeah, Nikki really is in the dumps. And oh, Zelina really is still winning. Instead, it was just a complete waste of time. Uh, the 24-7 guys kept surprising Dana Brooke, who's the champion backstage. Reggie saved her from an attack from Tamina. And that was it. Look, you guys know I hate the title because they don't book it the way they really should. But if you can only give it one minute on a three-hour show, what's the point of even having it? This was bad. That That's the whole thing. It, it, it's like, don't even do it if, it, if it's not going to be done like that. Just figure out a way to stretch something else out longer, move move some minutes around. It's just, yeah, it's it's nothing. It, it, it's, a, it's a waste of time. And it's, it's stuff like that that really drags down the whole show because you know for sure that there's just stuff on this three-hour show that does not matter and they do not care about. Yeah. For sure. And then lastly, on SmackDown, there was another Zia Lee comic book vignette about her fighting off attackers in a tunnel and men always underestimating women like her. It was great. I mean, these are really good. She debuts next week, which is going to be exciting. We just talked about the SmackDown women's division, how it's really like perking up right now. Adding Zia Lee to that, pretty damn cool. Now, we temper our expectations until it actually happens. Uh, I also want to note on SmackDown, they gave Ricochet this whole video package showcasing his skills and how he's so exciting. And that's promising as well. So, you know, I've been bullish on Ricochet since he got drafted to SmackDown. It feels to me like they have plans to elevate him, but we're not going to know until they actually do it. But for both of those, I'm going to say good. I'll let you get in also. But meanwhile on Raw, I just wanted to do a little juxtaposition. They aired the exact same yeah. Veer yeah. Mahan video for like the sixth straight week. Yeah. Where he's coming soon. Where? When? Why? I know nothing about this guy. You keep showing me the same five video clips because the guy's barely wrestled on the main roster. And you refuse to tell me this dude's story. He's the million dollar arm. He's a guy who had a chance at Major League Baseball. Didn't work. He now found his second chance in WWE. He went through the training, uh, the performance center. He made it to the main roster. He was with Jinder. Now he's on his own. Tell me a story. Give me that in a video package. Why aren't you doing it? I don't get it. So the SmackDown versions of it all, good. The Raw versions, bad. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the vignettes, especially the Zia Lee one. You know, but I've liked vignettes before that haven't worked out. The 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 Veer one, we've seen it before. We get the same thing time and time again. Nothing happens. Whatever, we'll see. 
I, I'm the same good and good and bad with you. I don't understand why you keep doing the Veer one. Either you know when he's debuting or he's or you don't and just work it around there. At least append it to instead of saying coming soon, three weeks away, two weeks, like do something like that where it's a countdown where you're, you're getting people excited for it. It's just like this never ending thing. And then, by the way, Elias, like. He gone like, like, where is he? What happened? Did he get hurt in training and they had to pull it? Like they did those two videos or three videos and we haven't seen him in two months. It's yeah, so, I, I don't know. It's so, so freaking weird. Okay, so that is today's show. That is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Chris, um, the wrap-up for me, real quick, SmackDown and Raw, just not a good week. Good elements, really two shows that didn't hit me in either, in any specific way. Yeah, it's like a lot. Of, the The main stuff is usually pretty good, and the other stuff drags it all down. It, it, it's kind of how it is many weeks, and just this week in the main stuff, we didn't get a lot of wrestling. Honestly, you know, the 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 Brock and Sammy stuff really liked it. The Becky and Liv stuff really liked it. The rest was largely forgettable. Yeah, that's how I look at the weekend. I think that's pretty fair. Now. Uh, as far as the rest of 2021 here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, a brief discussion. Uh, we don't have any WWE uh, pay-per-views. We do have the special AEW Winter is Coming event that we will cover well. And we um, that's it in terms of like major events. So we are going to build out the rest of this month on our episode calendar. We will have a year in review awards episode that is coming. Keep your eyes peeled on our Twitter account at Getting Overcast. That way you guys can submit nominees and vote in the Getting Over Awards. Chris, a.k.a. The Meaties. The Meaties. I'm, I'm kind of trying to bring you in here uh, with the announcement, but the Meaties, the second annual Meaties uh, will be awarded. It's crazy, by the way, that we're already in year two of awards on this podcast. Like I, I know. Time legitimately flies. It feels like we just started doing this thing. Um, so yes, the second annual meeting meeties are coming. And I am also uh, in conversations right now with not only WWE, but also AEW uh, to get a couple interviews here to wrap up the year. I'm going to try to find uh, some of the bigger names that made waves in 2021 and bring them onto the show. Uh, but all of that is to be determined at this time. Nothing booked in a, a solid fashion. Also, we are quickly approaching episode 250 here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. Speaking about time flying, right now we're at 243, so I need to do a little bit of a uh, countdown and, and figure out when the hell that one is actually going to air. Uh, but maybe it will work itself out where that one can be a special episode, whether it's with interviews or the awards or whatever the case but that is coming up as well. So all of that is happening before 2021 wraps up. If you're, if you're a first-time listener, please make sure you subscribe to the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast so you can vote in all of those awards, uh, so you can send DMs and questions for the show. Not a lot of those this week, and the ones that were sent in, we were kind of already covering, so that's why we didn't read any DMs, but the DMs are open. Slide in, please. Uh, my the tweets, I respond all the time to you guys. Uh, you know, I also appreciate, I want to say once again, all of you sending us those Spotify wrap uh, screenshots. It's so cool to see us. Uh, many In many cases, number one, but in your top two and three podcasts that you listen to, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, because you like us so much, clearly, please remember that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast...
So head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. Let people know how much you love this show. All of those ratings and reviews help us massively grow this podcast. So that's it for today. I want to thank Vintage Chris Vini for joining me once again. For Chris, this is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, and I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now. <laughs>